it is amazing to me um, this season was so different so that when we got into the first fruit my, 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 my emotion was Lord we have been giving first fruits for a long time we have boasted we have bragged we have declared and you have and many have received but I did not feel I don't know if any of you were like this I didn't personally feel that everything God wanted to do had really come forth did anybody here besides myself have that sense of there's something yet that is not broken forth if, if look at your neighbor find out if, if they felt that way it's amazing it's like it's like promises yet unfulfilled and this is a, this is amazing to me because while at the same time we're we're rejoicing over what God has done I'm looking and saying God but I know in my knower down in my soul there's more and there's more so much more until for you to manifest it what absolutely change the perspective of so many people it will blow your mind um, because our nation is rocking and reeling with what we are reeling with right now you know all the foundations are being shaken right now things that we love things that we believe things that were true things that we just accepted as truth today we don't even know if, if we don't know we can they're asking me not even to use pronouns. What is that? Asking it, but what is that? Why did it get so quiet in here? I mean, isn't that crazy? I mean, the fundamental things that we believe, they're now being shaken. I understand Disney is going through a major shaking right now. Our government is, have you been to the gas? Have you been to the gas pump lately? Somebody was showing us, so my wife was mentioning it, showing it, it was $7 and six eleven. but I saw one at, at seven something in North, it was in, in, uh, in North America. It's, it's amazing. Um, wow. I don't know how, what kind of unrest you've been wrestling with. In the middle of this unrest, I have had this, uh, yeah, that God is going to show up in the middle of it. And that as dark as and, and gloomy as it gets, for those of us that know him and obey him, we're going to shine like stars. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't seen nothing yet what God's going to do. It's in the, in the midst of that, in the midst of this um, atmosphere of, on one hand, gloom and doom, that the prophets of God are speaking for the, toward the body of Christ, that you need to open your heart and see what God is going to do greater than he's ever done before in your life. And the unfulfilled things that God has been, has been speaking to you are going to happen. You know, Paul prays. And I want to begin something fresh for us this Sunday. The Apostle Paul prays, and Ken, you can put this up, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, I pray for you all that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the Father of glory may give you, give to you, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart, would be enlightened Notice the phrase, the, the eyes of your heart, the things you can see inside, 
that allow your, your physical eyes to see clear. Are you, are you looking at that verse of scripture? He said, I pray in verse 18. What does he say? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be what? In one translation, I, I pray that God would, would illuminate your insides with his understanding. That you be full of light and not darkness. That's the first thing he prayed. He goes on and he says, so that you may know what is the three things. He says, I want you to know these things. I want this light. I want God to show you this. It's like Paul says, I want you to have a revelation from God. And three things. He says, I want you to see. I want you to know what is number one, the hope of your calling. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know what you're called to? Ask him. Don't, don't answer him because some of you will be embarrassed. But ask him, do you know that God called you? you know that God called you? There is not a person before me today who knows Jesus Christ who is without a calling of God. God doesn't just, I, there is a calling to salvation. That's not what he's talking about. Everyone is called to salvation. Not everybody answers. When Paul says he's talking about hope of your calling, he goes on to say, I want you to know, I want this light to show you, check this out, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I want you to know the surpassing greatness of his power toward those of us who believe. These things, these three things are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ Jesus or in, in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The three things Paul is praying for, that you would understand, that you and I would understand the hope of our calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? And he wants you and I to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. So I'm asking the question, how are you dealing with your unfulfilled promises in your life? How was your response to first fruits? Because you know, first fruits is a direct indication of, of what you think about what God wants to bring. Some of you are still wrestling with first fruits because you have never been exposed to that. It's a level of giving that's very different than this tithe my sweetheart, uh, Lady Carolyn, was talking about. It's different than just a regular offering. It's a very special offering. You find it in the scripture that the first of the year we render to God the first of our increase in anticipation of what's coming. And God does not tell you and I how much. This is to come out of our hearts. Are you still breathing, saints? How was your first fruits? Was it signifying, Lord, I know there's some stuff. I know there are things that I haven't received yet, and I expect to receive them. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says, so that you may not be sluggish. Paul said, I don't want you to be sluggish. Don't be lazy. But I want you to imitate those who, faith, who through faith and promise. Paul said, here's what I want you to act like. Don't be slovenly. Don't be sluggish. But I want you to imitate those who faith and patience 
inherit the promises. A few weeks ago, I, 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 I asked you a question at communion. Where is your inheritance? Inheritance. Where is it? Some of people don't even know you have one. You know what's a tragedy? For somebody who was wealthy to have your name on the document that, de that declares everything I have is yours. And you don't even know it. Talk about pitiful. Living a, in a state of lack. Living in a place of, of anticipation of the worst. Living way beneath your privilege. When you don't know what you're inherit. By the way, write this down. If you, you want to blow your mind in your devotion, look up two words. One, look up inherit and look up inheritance. It will mess you up. I don't know why we haven't preached about it more. But when you see it in the scripture, you go, oh my God. If you know what an inheritance is, an inheritance is what the previous living person, all of their possessions, all of what was given to them or accumulated by them, is decreed, written down to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. All you did was just kept breathing. Has anyone ever received an inheritance from one of your relatives? Raise your hand. I'm thank you so much. Raise your hand if you've ever received an inheritance. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's only seven, eight people have received an inheritance from their Lord and mercy. You know, in the natural, this says. We have some work to do because it is, the, it, it, is, it, is, it is God's purpose that all of your parents die and, and die empty. Not because they don't have anything, they decreed it all to the next generation. Some of you don't even know what it is to have an inheritance. Some of you have never been at that after grave meeting. When the lawyer sits there and calls all the family members in and opens up the will of the one who's passed. And to my oldest son I decreed, and to my youngest daughter I say, and to my wife I give, and to my best friend I give you all my broken dishes because I didn't like you when I was living. You know, you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> what is amazing about an inheritance is a legal document. And that legal document, it, in, in fact, it's so binding until the state, Lord have mercy, the state, the government has to, is they are compelled to make sure what was written is done and it is so and carried out. Therefore, inheritances are written on very on legal paper and they are signed and documented in such a way that nobody can change it. It's so powerful until all governors, potentates, senators, congressmen, even the president of the United States does not have the power to undo what that inheritance say. What it say, that's what it is. What it, what it, what it decrees, that's what it's going to be. Let somebody say amen.
I'm so sorry that many of you have never had experienced an inheritance. Okay, okay. Since you haven't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Father that, that he would pour out on you so much until when it's time for you to transition uh, in the world they use the world dead and die but in the kingdom we use the word sleep so when y'all transition that you will have so much that the next generation will not start with nothing It's possible some of your parents are still alive and, and they have, you, you don't know what that inheritance is because usually parents don't tell you what it is. If you, if you, if you, if you get this picture in the scripture of the prodigal son, he, he said, Dad, I'm tired. I want to leave. Give me my inheritance. How evil that is. You are worth more to me dead than alive. Give me what belongs to me and I'm going to leave. The father didn't have to do it. Because the one who writes the inheritance has power over it. But the father did. He divided the portions and gave it to his son. So that son was walking in the inheritance of his father, but he was not ready to handle it. I pray for you also that when God releases to you the inheritance for your life, you'll be ready. Look at your name. I pray you'll be ready to handle it. I mentioned inheritance because I, I, when the Lord began to talk to me, he said, you know, he said, he said, the resurrection, the death and the resurrection was God transferring everything that belonged to Christ to you. To all those who believe. And many people have no idea, so when they read the word of God, they don't realize that they're reading the legal document that decrees and declares of everything that God prepared for you that belongs to you. Somebody wrote a song, What Is For Me, Is For Me. Something like how it goes. Is that, is, that, is that the name of that song? What's For Me, Is For Me. Say it again now. What God Has For Me. He's ta- that, that, that song actually, I don't, I, I think I don't like it. But, 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 but the words, what the words are saying is that what the Lord has decreed, what he's written, that's yours. Look at me, excuse me. Now look, if, if, if the document comes and, you, and your name is there, it's transferred to you. But you don't even show up. You're too drunk. You're too high. You're in bed too long. You're too lazy. You're too unconcerned. You're too snooty. You're too proud. I don't own nothing. I don't want nothing you have. I don't need no new. Look at them and say, you lost your mind. We got a whole generation talking about, you know, I don't need no my, my, my dad, I don't need no from them. I do it myself. I'm on, I do it myself. Really? Really? body of Christ has kind of been that way. We function on this level of knowledge so long. Don't tell me about anything else in mind. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm barely getting by with it. I'm fine where I am. You understand that the will of God is for you to come into the fullness of what he has provided for you. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to come into the fullness of what God has provided for you. 
Paul said, if anything, I want you all to know when he writes to the Ephesians, I want you to know what is the hope of your calling. Why? So you can walk in it. He said, I want you to know what is the glory of the inheritance. Why? So you can handle it. I want you to know what is the greatness of his power. Why? So you can wield that power for the sake of God's kingdom. He prayed with great earnestness in the book of Ephesians to write to them, to help them to understand what, has, what had been left them. So Hebrews 6 says, as we just read, I want you to be, don't be lazy, but find out. In fact, when you come on Sundays, when you're, whenever we assemble, whether online or here, don't be sluggish, don't be lazy. Come and listen to what has been written with your name on it. Look at your brother, look at your sister and say, I, it is a blessing with my name on it. That's what we're, it's talking about, the inheritance. Okay. So I, I want to start, I want to begin something this week that, uh, that in order to help me to do it, I've already started. There was some, oh yes, yeah, I need this, I want one of these. Yeah, beautiful material. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's got little squiggly lines on it. Awesome. Yeah, you could do all kinds of stuff with this, you know. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some people are still confused, but that's all right. You all kinds of stuff with this. It's beautiful. You know, make an undershirt. Hallelujah. All kinds of stuff with it. I don't know how you're dealing with your unfulfilled promises, but 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, put it up, Kenny, he says, for, he said, Peter said, look, I want to sum this all up for you. I need you to know how you ought to act. He said, I want you to be harmonious. Be, harmo be in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic toward each other. Have brotherly kindness toward each other. And humble in your spirit, not returning evil for insult, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead for you were called for the very purpose that you might what? Inherit what? A blessing. Paul's giving, Peter's giving them this instruction. There are some things God has, has, has decreed for you that you can only get, but you can't get them unless you do this. You have to have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are you still breathing, saints? In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, check this out. 1029 says, Jesus said, truly I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake, and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times. Look at your neighbor say, a hundred times. Now nah, say it with gusto. A hundred times. As much now, not what now? 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 Somebody please tell me what now means. You, you know what the Greek word for now means? Now. That's right. You know, it's, that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me, Pastor, because what's awesome about this is Jesus is speaking these things. This is what Jesus is speaking. He said, man, if, if, you, if you commit to me, 
and you will place, check this out, what God wants you to inherit is more precious than what you already have. God's putting everything in its rightful place. Some of you have not been able to walk in the inheritance of God because you have violated a principle that keeps it from coming to you. Your attitude has messed you up and you can't walk in what God wants because he won't let you have it until you get the condition right. So Jesus says, you know what? Those of you, he says, those of you that will put your house, your family, that's brothers and sisters, even your mama and your daddy, or even your children, even your farms, your lands, if you will take that and he said, he said, if you left it, what he means is, if that does not compare to what you have, I will not cling to that and I will not love that more than what you have. Well, we could preach there a while. One of the reasons why the body of Christ has not come into fully what God wants is because they're looking at what they already have in an inappropriate way. They, Jesus is not first in their life. He's not on the top of the pinnacle. He's not on the first of your agenda. He's not the first words that come out of your mouth. His business is the first of your business. His commands are the first of your commands. Because Jesus is not first, then there are, check the rest of what he says. But if you're willing to receive, if you're willing, if you are willing, oh Lord. If you're willing to leave those things in second place, he says, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now and the present age, what will he receive? What will he receive? Verse 30, read it to me, saints, what? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Farms, what else? Along with what? Or with what, excuse me, along with what? Mm, okay, so Jesus said, look, I, what I've got for you is, is far better than what you now have. So you got to have a different change of attitude. Some of you would rather cling to the ways of your present condition rather than leave that and embrace what he wants. He said, if you follow me, and if you don't follow them, but if you follow me, if you do this my way, I'm going to multiply I'm going to return and multiply to you everything you put in second place. I'm sorry, help me. Some of you can't, you have not received your, you, you have not received your children saved yet. Some of you have not received your relatives saved yet or changed yet because you weren't willing to leave that attitude. I, I often talk about this. Many of you, you you're, feeding the, you're feeding the sins of your parents and your loved ones without obeying Jesus first. He said, if you obey me and stop that, I'm going to return to you and then I'm going to multiply it to you. But that's not what this message is about. At least, not yet. He said, look, look, he said, uh, if you'll do this, uh, I'll return. Excuse me, verse 30, is it up there? Put verse 30 up there, Ken. What does it say, saints? But he will receive what? Um, stop right there. Do you think Jesus is lying? You think he lies? You think he exaggerates? He's not kidding. He didn't lie to you. He didn't lie to us. He meant what he said. 
said, well, where is it? Well, it's probably wherever you left his agenda and didn't lay down whatever else he said before. When you, I, I like first fruits because when first fruits says, I don't care, I know everybody got needs and all that, but you know what, Father? This is yours first. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Judas said, whose heart was not right, you could have, she could have gave that expensive perfume to the poor. We could have sold that perfume and gave it to the, Jesus, excuse me, uh, the poor you will always be able to minister to. But I'm here with you now. I take president. In fact, I like what she's doing. Pour that perfume. Because she's anointing me and, and anoint my feet. Because she's anointing me for my burial. And what she does, what her extravagant gift, I tell you what, it's so extravagant in heaven until wherever the gospel's preached, her name is going to be mentioned. Some of y'all got your priorities mixed up. Jesus said if you leave that behind first, he didn't say don't care about them. He didn't say that. He said priority, that you're not my priority. You, Lord, are my priority. Then Jesus said, because you've made me your priority, I'm going to multiply them a hundred times. Look at your neighbor. God wants to multiply. He wants to multiply stuff in your life. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Glenn, you've spent enough time. There. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, 29. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who's left houses or left. This is the same account, but Luke's account. Luke is Luke was doctor. He's Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke gives details that other, um, other writers of the Gospels don't get. Check how Luke talks about it. He said to them, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the, for the what? For the what? For the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this, at this time. Some people argue that, well, you know, you shouldn't be preaching about riches and wealth because, you know, Jesus, you know, he, he went into that. I don't know what Bible you read. I don't know. What, what, what did you say? He went into that? Are you serious? Some people rail against what's been labeled as a prosperity gospel. And, and they, they, they just kind of tolerate that, but they don't really receive it. For many reasons why people do that. One of the reasons why is because they love riches so much, they're scared to have more because they might leave God. Another reason why they don't want to do that because they've been disappointed so much until they don't want to, they don't want to hold anything against God so they don't bring any more expectations from Him. When I talk about inheritance, you can't deny that inheritance, Jesus said this way about inheritance or about what He has for you. He said... <laughs> He said, who will not receive many times as much at this time. Look at your name and say, at this time. Now, when he says at this time, he's talking about in this life. While you're still breathing. Excuse me. When you have passed on from this life to the next, you will not need a brand new pair of Nike tennis shoes. When you have passed on from, from this life to the next, that is... That Mercedes is not going to do nothing for you. When you have <sighs> breathed your last breath, hello, 
that designer dress is not going to help you. So if you're going to enjoy it, you better figure out how to thank you very much. And Jesus says, the Lord says, Jesus said, here's what Jesus said, at this time and in the age to come, eternal life. I want to tell you that our life eternal cannot be compared to the Zoe life we live right now. The things that we have to have or even need won't count then. So Jesus writes this for those of us who need it now. I'm like J.G. Wentworth. Does anybody know what the, what the, what the saying is? Is what? And? <laughs> so check this out, saints. Did I, did I read that already? Oh, yeah. Look at Ephesians 5, 5. For this reason, he said, for this, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person, check this out, for this you know with a certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What? what? Here the Lord is promising an incredible inheritance. But the Bible says there's some stipulations. And check it out. I like, I like, I, I think he's just crystal clear for this you know with certainty say certainty that no immoral or impure person or what don't be scared to read it or what covetous man who is a idolater what about it he don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God you think that's something look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 33 through 37 do not be deceived Bad company corrupts good morals. Touch your neighbor at hand and say, I trust you're keeping good company. Some people feel liberated when they get in bad company because they do the things they really want to do. But in the body of Christ, the Lord doesn't mean that you don't befriend bad company. It's just not, that's not your hangout spot. It's not your fellowship situation. Are you there, saints? But he said, he said this, this is what he writes, Paul writes this he, uh, to the Ephesians, don't be deceived, bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. That's what I feel about it. I'm sorry, I, I think uh, somebody check your Bible, make sure that I didn't have a misprint on the screen. What does it say? It says, uh, don't be deceived. Bad company, come on, what? Good morals. S become what? Sober-minded as you ought. And what? Stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, and if you knew the background of the Corinthians, it was, it was oh my God. There was, there was no city full of more immorality than Corinth. 
In fact, in San Francisco, in San Francisco, it used to be, by the way, the church has been doing its job in San Francisco. But in San Francisco, it used to be that if you went to San Francisco, it would be so much corruption that you just couldn't hardly believe it. People walk down the street and say, go, what? what are they, what? And that, actually, I've been to San Francisco, and, and that has been changing because the church rose up and began to pray, and churches began to see salvations, and churches began to see people um, getting delivered, even those that didn't, who were who wrestling with their own sexual identity. It was amazing. I don't mean that it doesn't exist in San Francisco. It's just the very flavor and the atmosphere of San Francisco has changed. They moved to Atlanta. Paul said, you're going to have your inheritance? Good. He said, here's what you need to do. Don't be slothful. Don't, don't, don't make your bosom buddies those who are corrupt because bad company, it corrupts your morals. He said, and I want you to be sober and, and, and I want you to stop, talk, look at your neighbor and preach to them, be the evangelist and say, stop sinning. Thank you, sir. Ephesians 5, 5, I'm getting there. Uh, uh, for, for this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man or idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So what is the Bible trying to say to us? In our concern for receiving all that God has for us, God lays out stipulations for us in order for us to walk in the very thing he's promised to us. And that is so important because you need faith to receive. It's hard to have faith and living a lifestyle of sinning. It's hard to believe God when you know you don't deserve the goodness of God. For this you know with certainty that no immoral person, no impure person, God knows my heart is not enough. For you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man or, or, or a person who is an, idol, an idolater is somebody who always has something else before God. It's more important than God. Any of those, they don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What God has provided for you, God wants to release to you. But there are stipulations. Paul in Romans 4 and 21 says, uh, talking about Abraham, Abraham was, was, he, he was being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Abraham had assurance in his heart that what the Lord promised him, in this case, he promised him a son. He was able to perform, but so much time had passed until he was wondering, where is it, Lord? 25 years you promised me, and I don't see it yet. Look at your neighbor and say, some of you have been waiting for the promise of God. Tell your neighbor, some of, some of you have been waiting for God's promise. Tell them, God didn't lie to you. Tell them, God did not lie to you. 
In fact, God gave you some signs. God gave Abraham some signs along the way. As he followed God, God would show up for him and, and would remind him, I'm still God Almighty, and what I promise you is good. Five times in Genesis, God comes to him. How many times has the Lord come to you with a prophetic word, with a scripture coming off the page, with young people speaking to you the very words God spoke to you? They don't even have an idea what they're saying. Jackie had no idea. what She knows what she's praying, but she has no idea how many things she said he already said to us. How many times God got to remind you that it's not about the time, it's about your heart. There are things the Lord wants to release to you that you have to hold to. There are things that God has spoken to you. You don't even know how he's going to do it, but he did speak it. So I'm going to be obedient to him every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn what is the hope of his calling. I'm going to walk in my calling. I'm going to learn about my inheritance and I'm going to move in his power. Three things that Paul prayed about. Because what he promised is sure he will, he will not and he cannot lie. So for the next three weeks or four weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack some of this. And, and many of you are going to actually receive while I'm unpacking what God gave me. How many of you are just saying, Lord, bring it, bring it, Lord. Release it in the name of Jesus. To do that, I want to give you one sign. I want to give you a serious sign that God is ready. All remains in the time you're waiting is for your heart to be changed. For your obedience to be complete. For your faith to be unmovable and unshakable. How do you know your faith is unmovable and unshakable? Stuff comes to move and shake your faith, but you remain steadfast. God doesn't lie to you. He's not playing games with you. Some things he can't release until you can stand in there when all the opposite is happening, but stand in there, but Father, you said it, and I still believe. I don't even know what I can do about it right now, but you guys still believe it. It seems futile what I'm going through, but you said it. So while I'm going through it, while the storm is blowing, while the darkness comes, I'm going to stand right up in here. And God, you said it. I'm going to declare it and I'm going to receive it. I'm not going to, I am not going to be shaken. When I feel the opposite, when, when, when in my heart I feel nothing but doubt, but in my, in my, excuse me, in my emotion, I feel nothing but doubt. But down in my soul, I choose to believe. Some of you have to, some of you have to walk through that rocky, you have to war that war. Some of you have been warring that war. Some of you got weary in that war, but you have not internally, you have not really given up yet. And I'm telling you that the time of deliverance has come in the name of Jesus.
just about through. So I want to give you a sign. I want to give you a sign, a sign he gave us. He gave it to us. We just, when we don't read and we don't pay attention, we miss the signals. I was, I was going to the restaurant the other day. I was going to the restaurant the other day and I was driving because we were trying to get there and, and I went right smack dab right through the stop sign. My wife said, oh. I mean, I relatively obey the laws. Relatively, I obey the laws. <laughs> I just, I, not, 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 99.9, 99.9% of the time. I mean, but, that, you know, but, but I, I, I regularly obey the law. I obey most of the laws. Now, the speed law, some people, folks are still praying for me in this regard. And I'm praying for you. I went right through that stop sign and I, you know when, when I got through the stop sign my brain said that was a stop sign I was so grateful there was no cars coming because so there was a street there was a stop sign and then there was a railroad tracks so in my mind I'm trying to get across them tracks because I don't want to get stopped on the tracks so I just shoo, right on through the sign she slipped did you see that stop sign? I act like I didn't even hear what she said. I just kept on driving. <laughs> I, I didn't actually ignore you. I was just acting like I didn't see you. Amen. All right. I want to give you some signs. I'll give you one sign that, 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 uh, that blessed me so much. In Exodus chapter 26, write it down. Exodus 26 and, and 31. It describes something in the temple of God. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. Get a skilled workman that can do this. And you shall place this, this curtain between the holy and the holies of holies. Hang that thing. By the way, Keisha, some of you didn't know it. Some, some said that some writers, I've been looking at this hard, said that thing was almost 60 feet tall. 30 feet wide. What? Some say it was four inches thick. Others would say, if you tied a horse on one end and tied a horse on the other end, they couldn't pull it apart. It was beautiful. It was artistic. It was majestic. Check out the colors. Can you believe it? Some of y'all need to catch a clue about what to wear. Blue and purple and scarlet. My Lord. It hung in the temple dividing the most holy place which in the most holy place kept the ark of the covenant the law of the Lord was in there it represented the Shekinah the very presence and glory of God it was so awesome until you can't just go back there only certain people God said only the tribe of Aaron only Aaron's tribe 
which came out Levi, only those people had the right to serve. The high priest um, would, would serve, and you only go in there once a year. And when you go in there, you got to have your act together. He goes on to say, you can't have no blemish on your body, no deformity. You couldn't be unclean. Hello, somebody. You had to have, and you had to be dressed a certain way. And if you walked up in there thinking you just, you know, you sashay, you sashay yourself. You sashay yourself. If you want to back up in there, they had, they, they had a rope that tied to the leg. We need, to deal, we need to illustrate that. We had a rope tied to the leg, so when he back there making sacrifice, and you did something wrong, all them bells went clink. <laughs> if they didn't hear any bells ringing, no movement, because <laughs> they were not going up in there and get him. Because the Holy of Holies could only be entered by those whom the Lord deemed worthy to enter. And the high priest, he didn't come in on his own worthiness. He had to make sacrifices for himself before he ever went up in there. I just want you to understand how, how God's system was at that time. All of Israel would come and bring their sacrifices and they would burn their sacrifices unto God and those, they were, and those sacrifices were to atone for their sins. So I start next week, I start next week demonstrating for you I call it ripped It was relatively easy for me to do this, but if it was, if it was four inches thick and 60 feet high, how you going to get up there to tear it? Let alone what strength would you have to rip it? But I want you to check this out, saints. There were three things that were ripped for you and me. The veil from the top to the bottom. The Bible says the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. And he yielded up his spirit. And, and behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And the earth shook. And the rocks were split open. The tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised coming out of their tombs after his resurrection they entered into the holy city and appeared to many now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening became very frightened and they said truly this was the son of God I, I wonder what, that, what, what I wonder what was going on for the priest who stood in there and 
heard the awful sound of the ripping of that tapestry, the popping of those cords. When the hand of God reached down inside after Jesus said, it's finished. I wonder what they, I wonder what they felt when they, can you imagine? Mel Gibson in his movie, The Passion, he depicts this. I wish he'd have spent more time on the ripping of that veil. Because the first thing that was ripped for you and I as a sign that your inheritance is now available for you was the ripping of the veil. Are you still there, saints? The second thing that was, the second thing that you, that you, didn't, you, you, you didn't hear, but I wish you would have heard it. I wish God would allow you to hear it. It says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, brother, we have confidence now. Don't need to tie nothing to your leg. You can enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. The second thing that was ripped was his flesh. When they ripped open his body with the, with the beating of that Roman they called it a cat of nine tails. Some say they, they, when you got beat with this, first of all, most people never could, they could never last 40 lashes. They never could last. They'll be dead before they finished. And Jesus lived through all of it. And his ribs were exposed. So by the time they hang him, his flesh is ripped. And at the very end, the soldier takes a spear and rips through his chest cavity. But I said to you, at communion, you don't get blood until you tear the flesh. Look at your name and said, his flesh was ripped open for you. It gave us, the Bible says, a new and a living way. Now we can come into the presence of God because Jesus was ripped for us third thing that was ripped and I'm going to end Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh he made you live together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way and he's nailed it to the cross. The third thing is he ripped up the list of transgressions that you and I had committed. Not only did he rip it up, he took the punishment thereof so the Father would never bring them up before you. It's the, by the way, it's only the enemy that brings up your sins, not the Father. God wanted to prepare you and I with such a heart 
that we could receive, we could walk in everything he's prepared for us. He wanted you to be ready to receive, to come into the fullness of your calling. He wanted you to be able to handle your inheritance. He wanted you to demonstrate his power and authority in your life to do that. He got ripped. Amen. I want you to bow your heads today. If you're going to come into everything God wants for you, then some of you need you need prayer and deliverance from sinning. Some of you need to learn how to walk in that new and living way. Because your walk, when I say your walk, I mean your lifestyle does not reflect the kingdom of God. You love the Lord. You're thankful for his forgiveness, but you don't walk like you're forgiven. And Paul said because of it, many do not know God and it's to our shame because they have not seen, if they could see your life the way God has really transformed it, they would say yes. But God wants you, he wants you to be mindful of the things that are displeasing to him, the things that keep you from holding, from handling your inheritance. In fact, I want to pray for you right now. I think it's, a, it's an amazing thing if, if you have the courage to say, you know what, I need to stop sinning. Usually our confession and admittance of that allows grace to come on us, to deliver us from the things that draw us away from him. What would it be like? What would it feel like if God released his inheritance to you so you have no lack and no want? What would that feel like? What would change in your life if God completely healed your life and completely healed your family? What comes to mind when you realize all of my debts, all of my debts are fully paid. My sentence has fully been served. I don't have to stay in this prison I created from a lack of forgiveness and from a lack of forgiving others. How would you walk if you no longer had to carry the weight of your sin? What would happen to your countenance if you no longer had a negative anticipation of punishment because God had taken that off you and now you realize you're free? When I came in this morning, I saw Olivia. She was kind of like this. And I walked up, I smiled at her. And you know what? If you can resist my smile, you got it bad. I saw her, I smiled at her. She just went. 
I snuck up behind her, I grabbed her elbows, and I picked her up by her elbows and set her down, and she refused to smile. She was smiling on the inside. She didn't want to let it out. So I walked around, I picked her, I got behind her again, I picked her up by her elbows, and I turned her around, and I set her down again. And then I walked away, and she was like this. Until finally, I walked over there and, and I circled around her and she started watching me to see where I was going. And I came around and I picked her up by her elbows again and I set her back down. I don't know, she's like this. When I came to pray, she's standing here next to me. By the time I picked up two or three times, she said, again, again. I said, we got to go to church. I'm weak, weak, weak. <laughs> no, pick me up again, pick me up again. She started walking around, waving her arms like this. She was free. What would it be like if God really did lift your burden of sin? What would it be like in your life if he lifted your burden of debt? What would you feel like if God, all of a sudden, bam, they're gone. They're, go they're gone? Some of you are being unbelief. They're gone. They're gone? Some of y'all wouldn't know what to do because you've been living this way for so long. Okay, stand on your feet. Let's do some business with God. Let's do some business with the Father. Remember John the Baptist, he showed up because he was, his mission was to baptize Israel in preparation to receive the Savior. So he was baptizing them in the Jordan. They were repenting of their sins. Why? So they could receive their inheritance. What if your next move, the best next move you can make is to publicly, I don't mean, I'm not talking about being shamed. I don't mean that. But if you could declare I am done with this. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Lord, I want to receive everything you have for me. I don't want to miss anything. Would you have the courage to say, Lord, I need your help? The only way you can overcome the things that keep you from your inheritance is you must come and present before God. When you, if, we conf, if we confess our sins the Bible says he is faithful and to what and cleanse us from all unrighteousness it, 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 to not only forgive us but come on cleanse us from all unrighteousness what that means is not if I'm cleansed now I can come into the holiest of holies I can come into the presence of God and receive anything I need in fact it gives way to, to the holiest of holies inside of you so you can believe so I'm going to do this father in the name of Jesus I want to thank you for the courage over those who want who want to make this step towards you because they're just making a decision today I'm going to stop this usually when God asks you to stop something he will fulfill that with starting something and, and you'll know he'll speak to you about what he wants you to do as a result of you stopping this but he wants you to start this 
Those of you who say today, I, I do. I want that from the Lord. I want you to come and stand in this altar with me today in the name of Jesus. Come now and don't wait. And don't let shame or fear or any of that keep you.